What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another Angle of Pursuit podcast, your fantasy football, sports betting, and uh, coronavirus home here over at fakepigskin.com. I'm your host, Kyle Robert. You follow me on Twitter at NotoriousKRO. Uh, with me, as always, is Brian Twining. What's up, Brian? What's up, Kyle? You know, going through all this crap, working at a grocery store, it's nice to still get to be able to record this thing and talk about football and you know, argue about fantasy stuff. But the most important thing on my mind right now is what are your thoughts on that new Rams logo? I mean, it was funny because they, they like leaked, right? And everybody started trashing it and we're like, surely this can't be what the Rams are going to do. And sure enough, this is what the Rams are going to do. Um, I, I, I'm not really sure why teams that have good logos and good uniforms continue to try and butcher them. Like my Titans did that, the Rams did that, like these teams and then and then the NFL and their almighty wisdom have decided that if you change logos, you have to stay with it for five years. So if you come out with a terrible logo, you have to stick with that crappy logo for five years rather than, you know, like being, Oh yeah, this was actually a bad decision, let's punt on it and uh and go to something good. Yeah, that's that's funny you say that because I remember when those leaked pictures came out, there were a few people with supposed inside information who had said that that's not the actual logo that was coming out. And when it was revealed that that was what it what they went with, it's surprising that there was no way for them to just kind of say, hey, NFL, we're going to scrap this idea because this is the backlash we've already received. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm getting older, but like I feel like I'm a big fan of like some of the retro jerseys, and I feel like it, they could just go to those, and instead they like keep trying to reinvent the wheel and doing a terrible job over and over and over again. So I don't know, but yeah, I mean it, it is interesting, but at least it gives us something to debate and something to talk about and something to argue while we're uh, living that quarantine lifestyle. It's it's pretty funny, you know. We're we're living dramatically different things you're at the grocery store uh doing your part uh you know 12 hour days whatever and um i'm so i'm at home all the time just doing stuff but like (laughs) my schedule is so weird i have no idea what day it is like i feel like i get up around the same time do generally the same stuff like i have a weekend but like it's kind of the same thing i've been doing all week and I, I, you know, I'll do a little, I do more personal stuff, less work stuff, but I'm at my computer. I'm doing different things. It's just, it, it's wild. Like I don't, I, I thought I, at first I was like stoked on, okay, I'm going to be able to work from home and do all this stuff. And, and now like the monotony is, is starting to get to me a little bit, but like you said, like I said, we got football to talk, Brian, there's a lot of free agency news, uh, big names, moving new teams, um, and we'll start with those Rams that decided uh, not only to cut bait with their, uh, you know, former logo and and go for a new one. Uh, they've decided to cut bait with Todd Gurley. Uh, they cut him. Uh, he is now a Atlanta Falcon. Um, you know, we've seen some of the graphics about the Falcons having all these former first round picks, this, that, and the third. But um, Obviously, for Gurley, he gets to return to "quote unquote" home, where you know he went to the University of Georgia. He's a bulldog, uh, you know, has Atlanta ties. 
interesting move. Uh, really good offense. It's just a question of, you know, what what Todd Gurley are we going to get? Is this the guy that they're going to have to spell? And, you know, they're going to obviously have to mix and match. And honestly, I think, uh, you know, drafting another running backs probably in the cards. But in terms of this season alone, are you interested in Todd Gurley as an Atlanta Falcon? Uh, you know, this is the first time in probably the last three years where Todd Gurley is cemented on my target list as somebody I'm looking to snag in fantasy drafts. I think the landing spot is perfect on a Falcons team who they clearly are not going to pound the rock. They under dirt cutter, like they're going to maintain that, you know, limited, limited ground game, which is probably better for Todd Gurley. He's still going to get those goal line carries that, that produce tons of touchdowns. I think he could wind up being one of those guys that gets 12 to 15 touchdowns. And by the end of the year, we're talking about uh, him being as one of the best steals in fantasy drafts. Yeah. I'm really curious to see, you know, I'm going to track ADP over the next couple of weeks and we can talk about maybe um, as the ADP starts to build, you know, we can kind of go over some of the, so the movers and shakers there, but I'm really curious to see where he goes. Cause like you, I think in ter- especially in terms of touchdown upside, I think he has a lot there. Um, I feel like he has like a lot of name recognition. So that might make him go up a little bit higher, but everybody's seen the knee injury and he was quietly really productive last year. It's just in terms of what the Rams were paying him and where that team was at and what they needed to do financially to, you know, kind of make room and, uh, save money running back position is a great way to do that. So they were able to save 10 and a half million this year on a team that's really strangled by the cap. So I, I get the move there. Um, I'm really curious to see what they do with him in Atlanta. I think that he'll be paired with somebody and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think, you know, especially in a league that clearly seems to be, you know, sharing the load, um, being able to, you know, utilize him in key spots, get him in the red zone. Um, and in an offense that should throw the ball plenty, but I also think like we saw a lot of Austin Hooper, you know, and obviously he's now in Cleveland. Hayden Hurst is there. Uh, but I feel like more red zone opportunities, more, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, balls kind of his way, uh, Gurley's way will, will be in the cards this year with Austin Hooper kind of out of there. Yeah, no, that's a perfect assessment of the situation he's jumping into. I, um, I, you know, I, he could be their, their red zone only style running back or in like crucial drives where they need this guy they know has good ball security he still has those bursts in games that he can he can do, and if they, they pair him with a Brian Hill and they or they use Cadre uh, Olson, yeah, Olson more like it, I'm looking at their at their numbers from last season. They tied with the Giants as the third least amount of rushing attempts. So I mean, if if we're looking at a place that's going to keep them healthy, I mean that there's no better place than that, but. He still yeah. has plenty of juice left to, you know, with limited touches that I think he could pay off huge for, for them in, in real life and in the fantasy world. Yeah, I'm curious to see Atlanta. Like, I feel like, in, especially offensively, they have the talent to be productive. We'll see about the defense. It was a big mess, you know, the past couple of years. They've dealt with a lot of injuries. We'll see kind of how they revamp it via free to see via the draft. 
Um, but I think, uh, I, you know, I think going home will, will be good for him. Uh, speaking of another L.A. running back who was going to be changing teams, Melvin Gordon uh, headed to the Denver Broncos, a move that um, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But I guess in a league where the running back isn't valued for a running back that has missed time, um, like – I'm not exactly sure what John Elway's doing here. A team that had Philip Lindsay, a team that had Royce Freeman, a team that, you know, had a solid running game the past couple of years, spending extra money on a position that you don't need to spend money on makes little sense. Yeah, I was I was completely dumbfounded by the move when it was announced. And my first thoughts were for all those Philip Lindsay backers and uh and for all the people who have still rode the Rolls Royce Freeman's uh, train over the last two years, um, I just don't understand what their plan is in, at that position. Are they going to roll out the wing T and run with three <laughs> running backs back there with Drew Locke, or are they going to? Well, there is a uh, you know we'll we'll talk some extra free agents here in, a, in a, <laughs> you know towards the end of the season, but or towards the end of the podcast. But there's a guy named Cam Newton out there. Um, if they want to just go all in on a all running all the time offense, um, they could they could get real crazy. I mean, shit. If 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 we're sticking to that, why don't they go back to uh, City Field and go ask the Mets if Tim Tebow is still available and see if they want to <laughs> go run that? But yeah, I just don't I just don't understand the move. And um, unless there is some back end dealings with another team for a Philip Lindsay or a Rose Freeman. Yeah. It's, it's just a completely baffling decision by, by Denver. Yeah. At this point, like I have no interest in any Broncos running back, like the passing game, like Cortland Sutton's interesting. Uh, Drew Locke, assuming he is their starter going into week one, I think mildly interesting outside of that. I mean, Noah Fant probably, but uh, yeah, I mean, these running backs, like I, I don't know, maybe, maybe, I just have a hard time seeing an offense that paid him as much money as they did just like not use him. So I, unless, like you said, unless Lindsay's traded, I have no interest in any running back in Denver. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a situation to avoid. Let's talk about your Cowboys. Um, A move that, you know, obviously in terms of like um, time spent in the NFL, uh, Travis Frederick had a nice NFL career. Like he was a really, really good player for a really long time. Uh, but he's under 30 and he is going to retire. Um, I, I'm sure as many, you know, football people did, this was kind of a shock. Um, less in terms of him and more in terms of what it means for the Cowboys kind of going forward. Like, are you starting to worry about kind of where their offensive line is headed um, over the past couple of years? Uh, I mean, as far as like over the long haul, yeah, there's definitely some concerns with just kind of seeing like Frederick get injured and now retiring. And then Tyrone Smith, he's not the same guy they drafted way back when. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, as as far as the outlook for Dak and Zeke, they, they pretty much played the majority of two years ago with Frederick on the injured list. And then last year mm-hmm. it was – you know, he wasn't really fully healthy. He didn't really play much. Um, at, and they were still like top top five in the NFL and rushing. So I'm not really concerned about 
Frederick retiring or their their offensive outlook as I I think they're just going to improve as they continue to add more weapons on the outside. Yeah, and obviously they have Joe Looney, a guy that I, you know, was on the Niners, was on the Titans, was look was able to, you know, kind of hold his weight. They have Connor McGovern. They have they have some pieces like offensive their offensive line should be fine. You know, a lot of what happens there I think will be interesting based on what Mike McCarthy does. Um, but yeah, like you, I'm, I'm not super worried, but it is something that is going to make me pay a little extra attention to the Cowboys whenever we get football back. Cause I mean, we're all working under the umbrella that, oh, we'll have football at a normal time. Like all this, uh, you know, coronavirus stuff will be kind of over and done with by the time we're looking at July and August, but you know, yeah. We were kind of talking about before, like what it's going to do to the sports calendar in general. And, um, you know, we can make a lot of assumptions now, but we'll, we'll see as we get closer, what, you know, if training camp's shorter and there's no OTAs and what does the season look like? And, you know, offensive line is so much about timing and familiarity. And if you take some of that time away, what does that look like? How much better does, you know, you know, losing someone, like Travis Frederick at this point, like how much of an impact is it actually going to make maybe for this year? Yeah. It, uh, for this year, I don't think it's really going to hit them that hard, but definitely like if I'm, if I'm in a dynasty league and, and I'm holding on to Zeke as he's getting older and the Cowboys are kind of in this like three to four year w- period uh, window where they're like at the, mm-hmm. their peak of performance you know, it might be time to start kind of gauging what the interest level is on something like him. If you can get a couple first round picks and maybe a younger, a younger guy with a, like a looming situation where he's going to jump into a starters level, but for the most like pertinent season coming up, I, I'm not concerned whatsoever with fantasy world for them. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Dynasty because in, in one of my leagues, uh, one of the owners kind of floated out the idea of potentially trading him, and it, it kind of piqued my interest. As you know, we both have been you know staunchly in favor of Zeke Elliott, um, but you know, just between the little things over the past couple of years and not lo- losing some help along the offensive line, and I don't know, like he's a target that I think I'd be willing to go after. But if it's going to cost me full sticker price, it's probably not something that's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, it's especially taking into account Tony Pollard's emergence. Yeah, and just the Mike McCarthy not knowing like what it, what his game plan is because he's he's not tied to any of these players. <laughs> he can kind of do what he wants to do and you know tweak the team in in his mold. And you know, it, it's a roster that's incredibly talented, a team that could. Uh, definitely compete in the NFC and, and potentially win a Super Bowl. Uh, they obviously paid Amari Cooper a ton of money, so we'll see what the offense looks like. But Zeke Elliott's so talented. I have a hard time seeing him not be a really you know useful fantasy asset for the next at least two to three years. Um, let's talk about Eric Ebron. Headed to the Pittsburgh Steelers, a move that I like. Uh, the Steelers have been an offense that have notoriously used a, a, a tight end, you know, some, usually it's more of a Heath Miller, Vance McDonald type, uh, you know, but, you know, uh, Vance had some kind of explosive playability, a lot of what Ebron possesses. Um, I just, 
I'm this is one team that I don't know what to expect going into next season. Like I love Juju, but like what are we gonna get at quarterback? What is the running back system gonna look like? Like is James Conner just gonna go back or are we gonna see a lot more Benny Snell, Jalen Samuel? Um, uh, you know, what are their pass catchers are they reasonably gonna have? Because right now, you know, I like James Washington and Deontay Johnson, but if Big Ben's coming back and Ebron potentially could be the second or third option in the, in the passing game with a lot of red zone looks, he's going to be a guy that us wait on tight end guys are going to be targeting targeting heavily just because I think the upside and potential of another double-digit touchdown season is, is definitely in the cards. I'm in lockstep with that perfectly. Just – you know, just looking at the way that they've kind of schemed their offense around Ben Roethlisberger when he's been fully healthy, they seem to run a lot of two tight end sets. He's always kind of picked out two guys that are his favorite. And without Antonio Brown there, yeah. it's Juju and then who now for Big Ben. And so, you know, you're looking at really the the two biggest targets that they're going to have down in the red zone are going to be Ebron and Vance McDonald. And Ebron has shown the ability two years ago to put up multiple touchdowns. And, you know, I think he falls into that same situation this year if Roethlisberger is healthy. And again, like you said, he, he falls into the hands of the tight end guy, the guys who like to wait. Are the, are the Steelers a sneaky potential home for one of these free agent quarterbacks? Cause we've been playing musical chairs this off season with quarterbacks finding new homes. And it really seems like, there's not enough chairs for the amount of names that are out there. Like there's rumors that, you know, that Andy Dalton may stay in Cincinnati. Like he may be the, you know, Joe Burrow comes in, Joe Burrow potentially gets to start and then Dalton's the backup. Uh, we still have Jameis. We, we still have Cam. You know, I feel like there's a team that we're not expecting that could be interesting for one of these teams. And if the price is going to be low enough, even if it's like a one or two year deal, like, is there a world where, and maybe it's not, maybe it's not Cam, but maybe Jameis, where they're like, okay, Jameis, come in. We're going to see if Big Ben can give it one more year, maybe two. You, you know, because he's still young. He's still like, what, 24, 25. Give him a couple years to kind of learn the system and be the predecessor to Ben Roethlisberger, which, you know, if you look at the two quarterbacks, they have. You know, in terms of how they move in the pocket, kind of what they want to do. Very similar traits. Yeah, they're very they they're very. There's a lot of commonality there. So, like, is there a world where the Steelers just go, you know, Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges, and like we're not dealing with that nonsense anymore? <laughs> Let's bring in Jameis. If Big Ben's healthy and ready to go, then Jameis sits on the bench. And if Big Ben continues to look more like Matt Patricia than an NFL quarterback, then maybe Jameis is playing this year, and maybe. Big Ben's kind of just done. Uh, but like at this point, there's, you know, and as a Titans fan who's just signed Ryan Tannehill to a decent sized deal, I'm looking and I'm like, like, do I really want, you know, if I can get two years of cam at 20 million versus the hundred million or 60 million guarantee, we just paid Ryan Tannehill over four. Like, do I really want to do that? I I mean, at this point, like obviously the deal is yes. done, but <laughs> I'm starting to think like maybe we were a little too itchy on our trigger finger. No, as far as the Titans go, I think that's the right move. I, I, we, we said it on a couple 
I've said it a few times before this. Like, I, I actually think Ryan Tannehill is a legit NFL quarterback, and he just needed the right situation to be in, and Tennessee seems to be a perfect fit for him. Regarding your Jameis Winston uh, scenario here, I admittedly have never thought about that, but it fits perfect with what is going on there in Pittsburgh with Ben Roethlisberger's failing health. They both have similar body types. They're both just big, bulky dudes, difficult to take down. Mm. Mike Tomlin's a player's coach. He could probably get some good rapport going with Jameis Winston. He's got some decent weapons there to be able to work with. And if they could get a good running game around a guy like Winston, who knows? Maybe we see a guy less inclined to take as many chances or make dumb decisions. Yep. And he, I think that would be a great fit for him. Yeah, and we have a quarterback that can throw for 5,000 yards and, and 30 touchdowns and, um, you know, has the potential to, to reinvigorate Juju to – likes to use the tight end, so Ebron would be successful there. Like, I don't know. It, at this point, like, if there was a bunch of other situations where, you know, where they're willing to pay him lots of money, the guy would say there's no way that happens, but – with the Dolphins doing everything in their pl- in their power to basically plan for 2021, the Chargers. I mean, we'll see what they do. Like Cam Newton to the Chargers is gaining, seems to be gaining a lot of steam. But I mean, they seem content at least at this point to to bring Tyrod in as their starter and kind of just roll that way. Um, I, I'm I just I feel like that team's so talented, and his, you know his buddy Trey Turner just came over from Carolina. Maybe there's something there. I don't know, but um, like there's not a lot of seats left, and there's for you know well-known quarterbacks that are might be taking a pay cut to go somewhere or being a backup somewhere, and it's a wild time. But this is where we are. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting what's going on with the quarterbacks. Let's talk some receivers. There's a handful of guys on the move. Um, I want to hit on a couple of the bigger ones, and then there's a bunch of other guys that we'll just kind of run through. So uh, Emmanuel Sanders to the Saints. I thought this move was really interesting. Obviously, Manny Sanders showed how uh, impactful he can still is uh, in in San Francisco. Now he's going to New Orleans. He's going to play with Drew Brees. He's going to be opposite Michael Thomas. Like uh, In terms of potential landing spots for Sanders that aren't San Francisco, I think this is one that is, you know, especially as a fantasy asset, makes my eyes, like, really big about the potential he could have. Yeah, I I mean, if you're looking to go anywhere, why why wouldn't you want to play with Drew Brees, one of the most accurate passers in the history of the NFL? Um, I think this will definitely help alleviate some of the coverage that Michael Thomas sees. Mm-hmm. This will probably back back some safeties up against the box when they have Alvin Kamara in the backfield or Latavius Murray back there. Um, I'm kind of a little worried now about Alvin Kamara's receiving numbers with now they have this guy who's can run in the slot, get open really easily. Um, I think this does take away some from what yeah. the way they use Kamara more so than what Michael Thomas is going to see. Cause Michael Thomas is a legit top tier number one wide receiver, like he's the top dog. He's going to get his target. Oh, yeah. But I I think it's a great fit for Sanders and the Saints. Yeah, and I, I unfortunately, I think this says that Traquan Smith really isn't going to be like a, <laughs> a fantasy asset. Like I think he'll be a Travis Benjamin type, uh, you know, 
run, yeah, run the slot, uh, you know, stretch the defense, open up stuff underneath for Michael Thomas, for Manny Sanders, for Jared Cook. Uh, but it, as a fantasy asset, I don't, I don't think he's going to be super useful. Um, and it'll be really interesting. I think, I think the Saints offense, like this, this makes me a little more excited about what Drew Brees is going to be, even at you know forty plus years old. Um, I still think he has a lot of gas in the tank, especially getting to play so much indoors. Um, you know, it, it'll be really fun to kind of watch him do his thing and, and have another really good receiver opposite Michael Thomas. Uh, the other big receiver move is Robbie Anderson to the Panthers, a move that I thought was kind of interesting. Obviously, we've kind of talked about that offense and what it's going to look like under Matt Rule and Joe Brady. Uh, you know, obviously, Bridgewater is their quarterback. Uh, we're both really excited about what DJ Moore can be. Um, but opposite him, it, it, I mean, might be Robbie Anderson who got a two-year deal to go there. Uh, you know, I still think Curtis Samuel is interesting and has shown the ability to be productive. Um, and maybe it's just they're, they want to have three really good receivers and they'll spread it out a little bit more. And, you know, it'll be kind of like a Rams light where one of the guys will be really good each week. It'll be kind of difficult to figure out who it's going to be. Um, but what, I guess what's your take on the Carolina pass catchers and uh, what Robbie Anderson means to this offense? <laughs> it's just, it... It, it this is another like confusing move for me and it just muddled up the situation even more as I don't really see any of these guys as being like a top fantasy asset I think this definitely does take away more so from Curtis Samuel like I, I see him moving more into even more into a gimmick role mm-hmm. with Anderson and DJ Moore playing the two outside positions yep um running a lot of jet sweep action with Curtis Samuel to, you know, run fakes for him to open up a lane for Christian McCaffrey and stuff like that. And I think we're going to see a lot of short passing to probably Samuel and DJ Moore. And then Robbie Anderson will be the top, the top taker off guy. Uh, I don't know. I just don't, I just don't know what we're going to see from Carolina under Matt rule with Teddy Bridgewater. Um, I've, it's a situation I'm definitely looking forward to watching, but I'm not too inclined to be excited about any of the guys right now. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting too, because, you know, I think we're going to keep hitting on this, but with the unknown, a shorter off season, short, no OTA, that's not good for a new offensive coordinator working with a new quarterback, working with a fresh batch of receivers. Like, I feel like they're going to, they might they have the potential to underwhelm a lot this year and then be amazing in year two. And like, okay, everything clicks, everybody's figuring it out. Teddy's got the timing down. Robbie Anderson's deep, you know, getting the deep ball and and DJ Moore's really exploding. Um, but this year might be a little frustrating. So that's definitely something we'll want to keep an eye on. The other receivers changing teams. Uh, we had Brashad Perriman go to the Jets. Philip Dorsett go to Seattle. Devin Funches go to Green Bay. Nelson Aguilar go to the Raiders, and Travis Benjamin go to the Niners. Are is any of those receivers interesting to you from a fantasy perspective? The only guy would have to be the one we've seen the least amount of over the last year, and that would be Devin Funches to the Packers, with really no other, no other body even to 
take any any reps from him with Martez Valdez Scantling and uh, Geronimo Allison both underwhelming last year. Yeah, I think he slides right into that wide receiver two position. But if they continue to kind of lean towards more of a run heavy attack, you know, who the hell knows how many targets he's really going to see. But as far as these other guys go, they're all either a gimmick guy like Travis Benjamin, or they're in a situation who they rotate guys in and out like it's freaking McDonald's and the drive through at McDonald's. And that's Aguilar with the Raiders. So other than Funches, none of them really pique my interest. Yeah. I guess Brashad Perriman is somewhat interesting just because of what we saw last year. I feel like I just like so many of these young, fall so many of these young quarterbacks are getting surrounded with talent and Baker and Kyler and you know all these guys that okay we have a young asset we're going to do something with them and the Jets are like you can have Le'Veon Bell and the scrap heap of players like I I don't know what the Jets are doing and. You know, the Jets probably don't know what the Jets are doing, so that makes a lot of sense. But um, if they if he's got to throw to somebody, I mean, we've seen Robbie Anderson be, you know, fantasy viable. We could he could easily be like we could have Jamison Crowder and and Brashad Perriman be the starting receivers in in New York, and uh, yeah, that's that's a wild <laughs> exactly. Uh, let's keep it rolling. It looks like the Chicago Bears are ready to turn the page on Mitchell Trubisky by bringing in Nick Foles. Um, I think they're, they'll enter the season with, oh yeah, it's a competition, this, that, and the third, but I don't think you take on that money and after dealing with the frustration you have dealt with, with Nick Foles, I mean with, uh, Trubisky, no, thinking that there's a possibility that Trubisky's your starter and Nick Foles is just the backup. Yeah, I got to say, that's one of my biggest whiffs of all time, saying that Mitch Trubisky was going to be a breakout star last year, and holy crap, <laughs> did he prove me wrong. <laughs> um, yeah, this most definitely Nick Foles is going to take over there, which I, it'll definitely add a little bit to the offense. I think they'll become a little bit more efficient, a little more dangerous, which – Definitely does make them a contender in the NFC North. Mm. But it's like, I just don't, other than other than Allen Robinson, who I think could have a, a, a huge year with Foles there. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of worried about the other guys, especially, like you said, again, going back to that with the situation with the coronavirus, we don't know how many, how many reps these guys are going to get to get familiar with each other on the field. Yeah. Like I, I want Anthony Miller to be good. But even with Nick Foles under center, I'm not super excited about this passing game. But they did bring in Jimmy Graham, who's going to be their savior, Brian. Uh, they they signed him to to play tight end. I guess the Trey Burton experiment never came to fruition. Like, talk about whiffs. I was so wrong on him. But, like, we <laughs> Jimmy Graham is, is just, like, he's nowhere near the player he was in New Orleans. And the farther he gets away from New Orleans, the worse he becomes. Like, he had some moments for Green Bay, but, like, I I don't know what the Bears are doing by bringing him in. I I think he's just – he's probably going to be, like, a jump ball uh, acrobat down on the goal line. And that's pretty much his entire yeah. usage is going to be down there for jump balls because he just seems – he has, like, no explosion off the line anymore. He's – 
his agility has in Madden. I don't know if you've played Madden like in franchise mode as a guy's age, you start to see their agility numbers just decrease exponentially. Oh yeah. His right now is probably at like a 12. It's like negative I mean, 12. <laughs> yeah. So it, he's like a straight line. He can jump straight up. So it, which I think is probably good for him and Chicago as they, other than Allen Robinson, they really didn't have anybody that threatened the defense over the, like up top yeah. last year, but yeah, know. you know, I don't really know what they're doing. Yeah, I think I think they're regretting going so aggressively on a Nick Foles when they could have brought in Jameis or they could have brought in Cam. Imagine imagine them with Cam Newton yeah. behind that offensive line with David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen. Yeah. That'd be a pretty dynamic pretty offense. Fun offense. And Matt Nagy could work yeah. some stuff up and Cam's Oh yeah. Cam's still got a lot in the tank, I think, as long as he's not like broken. Um, I think he'll, I think he'll be, I think he'll bounce back. Like, I don't know. You know, we've kind of been hitting about like these situations. Interesting. Uh, Tyler Eifert signed a two year deal with Jacksonville. I think he's kind of in the Jimmy Graham bucket. Like he was good at one point, but I don't think there's much left on, on this, uh, on this rose. Uh, the one signing that I kind of got me excited, not because of the player who signed, but because of the fact that he's finally leaving Peyton Barber signed a two year deal with Washington. Uh, I've been a Ronald Jones guy. I actually just drafted him a dynasty startup. I still have worries. I still have worries that they'll draft somebody. And, but at this point, like no, nobody who the, who the bucks are going to get should come in and vulture the majority of the snap share. So as long as Ronald Jones isn't terrible and like Bruce Arians doesn't completely hate him. Um, I think there's potential for Ronald Jones to be really interesting this year. And, you know, I, you know, I was a little worried that they were going to get Melvin Gordon or something, but uh, yeah, I think, I think they'll draft somebody, but you know, get it. I think this will be Ronald Jones chance to prove that he's a legit NFL running back. And, and we saw flashes over the past two years where he looked like he was rounding into form and kind of figuring it out. So I'm excited about what he could be, especially in that offense with, Tom Brady as his, as a signal caller. Yeah, I think that's the most important aspect when looking into Ronald Jones's third year in the NFL is the fact that now he's going to be playing on an offense with a quarterback who is known for his ball security, mm-hmm. and teams are going to be unable to confuse the quarterback, which means you're going to see a lot of kind of stagnant defenses, and you're going to have Brady checking in the into the correct runs. You're going to have him being able to dump the ball off. Uh, I I think I think we see there's a world where Tampa Bay avoids the running back situation in the draft and beefs up their offensive line yeah. to protect Brady, which would then in turn help Ronald Jones. Yep. And we've seen we've seen tons of scrubs behind Tom Brady, albeit in New England, but we've seen guys like Brandon Bolden put up, you know, hundred yard games and multiple touchdowns. So Ronald Jones could this could finally be his breakout season. Yeah. Um of the players that are still free agents, the Devonta Freeman is the one guy that could potentially come in and I guess it, and make things a problem. I mean, the Niners are loaded at running back, so maybe there's a draft day trade where they move one of those pieces. We talked about the extra running backs in Denver. Um but in terms of Devonta Freeman, 
like, do you envision him as a guy who can still get it done and be a fantasy viable asset? Uh, or is he really uh, has to fall into the right offense and be kind of a touchdown machine for him to be someone you're actually drafting this year? Yeah, I think I might be off Devonta Freeman, and he's he's now free from all my fantasy rosters. Um, I could see him potentially going to Tennessee as kind of the change of pace, like receiving guy for, for uh, Derrick Henry, um, which, you know, that doesn't really offer much upside. You know, I just, I just think he's the same thing. Like there's not much tread left on his tires after being, he, he was a, a, you know, quick scatterbug, but he liked to take the big hits mm-hmm. and that's definitely taken a toll on him. Well, and it's one of those things that like, unfortunately with the running back position is like when it goes, it's just gone. And like, it's not, yeah. it, you don't age well and you have your five and it's a brush. Yeah. You have your five years of being awesome. And then it's just kind of over. And I feel like we may be in that point with him. Um, and then Brian, I guess, you know, going into our next conversation here on the angle of pursuit, like, do you think we'll have, Cam Newton, Jameis Winston, or Andy Dalton officially on a new team? <laughs> I, you know, it. After after hearing you talk about it more, I've been kind of down on it. Like talking about the kind of schemes that these guys would fit into, I do think now that Cam Newton would kind of fit with what the Chargers would want to do with Anthony Lynn as their head coach. Um, he traditionally likes to run the ball a lot, which Cam Newton would definitely benefit from. Uh, he's got Keenan Allen who can get open wide open, which is good for Cam because his accuracy sucks. And he's got a big target in Mike Williams. If they were to sign him who Cam can hit with a lot of his overthrows. Um, I think realistically, that's like the only spot that I could see him signing within the next week or so that would make him be signed. And all three of these guys, I really don't think we're going to see any movement other than the potential of Cam signing in L.A. Yeah, I mean, the Rams are probably okay. The Chargers, I think, uh, the Chargers, the Jags, and I guess the Dolphins, but I don't think they're going after anybody, would be the teams that I'd go, okay, that's their starter. I think Pittsburgh and Denver are wild cards. Maybe, like, Chicago's locked in, like, I think I think there's a good chance now that Andy Dalton just stays in Cincinnati the way things are going. Maybe if we're coming back and somebody gets hurt, somebody goes, okay, we need a starter going into the season, give us Andy Dalton. Like that might be a situation that happens. But I'm kind of got myself convinced that Cam probably signed somewhere to start. Jameis maybe signed somewhere to start. Probably more likely competes at, at best like i wonder if there's a world where the titans say if we can get one of these guys at a good deal let's let's bring him in and see if we can get something out of him in case Tannehill turns into a pumpkin kind of like they did with Tannehill last year when they thought Mariota was kind of not really good and you know they ended up going to Tannehill like if Tannehill gets hurt or becomes kind of you know flashes some of the bad traits we've seen in previous years Maybe they want to have a little more insurance and not just, you know, but, um, you know, at at the prices that these quarterbacks may come at, 
I think it opens up a lot more interesting situations. Yeah, I mean, I still think like one of the one of the dark horses to make a run at one of these guys is still the Raiders. I was just gonna oh, say man. that because yeah, like because and and like you know, there's some New England talk, but like I don't feel like I just don't yeah. see that. I don't see their personalities fitting there. But I could see a Derek Carr to New England and Cam Newton or Jameis yeah. as the Raiders starting quarterback competing with Marcus Mariota. Oh yeah, I think I think John Gruden that would be like his his dream scenario bringing one of these big armed guys in there to finally run the downfield offense that he wants to run. How wild would it Even if Cam Newton could couldn't hit the broadside of a barn, he still wants a guy <laughs> with a big arm. How wild would it be to have Jameis and Mariota on the same team? <laughs> that would be awesome. Uh, that'd be must see TV. I would love that. Yeah. Um, okay, Brian, this is good. Good to get back. Good to chat. Good to talk. Uh, make sure you're subscribed, rating, reviewing, doing all that stuff. It really does do a lot. Tell a friend. Everybody needs content during the quarantine season. Um, so if you know somebody who's passionate about fantasy football, share our podcast with them. Tell them to check us out. Tell them to, to listen to a couple episodes. We, we know if you're looking for our thoughts on some of the free agent moves, we've been, you know, cranking these these pods out so we talked all the quarterbacks we talked deandre hopkins um obviously we're cleaning up what the players that had kind of signed since we chatted last so um if we didn't hit on somebody that you really want our our thoughts on make sure you go back and check those out uh brian and i will be coming with more content over the next few months even if the nfl um isn't fully back we got wind tools to talk about we got, you know, uh, AFC to NFC and then to win the Super Bowl, you know, all kinds of betting odds. We'll, we'll be hitting on that. Um, and, you know, we'll see what else we can get into. But uh, make sure you're subscribed, rated, review it, all that good stuff, because it really does do a lot to help us and allows you to get the content as soon as it comes out. So for Brian Twining, I'm Kyle Robert, and we'll talk to you guys next time.